does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Hour number two, Indiana Sports Talk here on Network Indiana. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Derek Schultz. We've got James Adams here. We have Eddie Garrison here. And he is holding his breath for a five-minute update, which starts right now. Thank you, Derek Schultz. A pleasure to be with you tonight in downtown Indianapolis, along with our producer, James Adams, and Jack Johnston in training. The biggest storyline right now locally in Indianapolis Running back Jonathan Taylor, former All-Pro running back in 2021, has requested a trade from the Indianapolis Colts per Ian Rappaport of NFL Network. Prior to his trade request, he met with Jim Ursay on Jim Ursay's bus at training camp today with the Colts having a night practice. Ursay spoke to the media once that hour-long meeting was over and revealed how it went. It was just a, a good conversation, and, and uh, you know, we're just, uh, you know, hopeful and going forward, uh, you know, looking forward to a great season, hoping, you know, hoping Jonathan's a big part of that, and, and so um, I think we had a good conversation, and, you know, like I said, onward we go, and we're, we're looking forward to, um, you know, really having, um, uh, you know, hopefully Jonathan there um, excited and healthy. In 2021, Jonathan Taylor tied the Indianapolis Colts franchise record for touchdowns in a season with 20. He had 1,800-plus rushing yards. Worth noting, last season, Zach Moss in four starts with the Indianapolis Colts had 334 yards in total across the four games, averaging 4.8 per carry. And if you average that out to a 17-game season, he would have over 1,400 rushing yards. Now, reminder, the Indianapolis Colts do have a first-year head coach in Shane Steichen. He was asked today at training camp how he puts that all of that stuff in the back of his brain when practice starts. Yeah, I mean, that's my obligation as the head coach is to coach the football team. You know, I got, you know, a lot of guys that I got to coach and get ready to go. And so that's, that's how I got to deal with that, and that's my mindset. Shaq Leonard has been able to string together practices so far for the Colts, which has been a bright spot for that defense and for the locker room. I mean, I'm so excited for him to be back, just the energy he brings. I mean, you can feel it at practice, you know, a veteran leader like that who's a high-profile player and just having him back on the field. I mean, I'm so happy for him, you know, what he's went through. And I remember walking through in the spring. He was in there at 5 a.m. grinding, getting his body right every single day. And for, for him to do what he's doing right now back on this field is really awesome to see. Indianapolis Colts will have tomorrow off, and they will resume training camp practice on Monday in full pads per Shane Steichen from the Grand Park Sports Campus in Westfield on Monday morning. The big news in Major League Baseball right now, Max Scherzer is being traded from the New York Mets to the Texas Rangers. He will join former Mets pitcher Jacob deGrom in that rotation when Jacob deGrom is healthy for next season. Max Scherzer did exercise his 2024 player option and also worth noting the Rangers will only have to pay $22.5 million of the contract for Max Scherzer. The Mets who received Luis Angel Acuna which is Ronald Acuna Jr.'s brother, they will have to pay $35 million. Acuna is a 21-year-old shortstop. He was the third overall prospect in the Rangers. 
Rangers organization. Going on right now in St. Louis, the Cubs and the Cardinals. 4-1 advantage for the Cubs now. They just doubled it. They've scored two runs in each of the third and the fourth innings. Jan Gomes hit a two-run home run in the top of the fourth inning, and it was Ian Happ delivering a two-run home run in the top of the third inning. Jamison Tyone has worked through three innings. He's walked four batters, struck out two, and has only issued two hits. One of those hits to Brandon Donovan, the other hit to Paul Goldschmidt. The Cincinnati Reds are in action in L.A. taking on the Dodgers. Yesterday, they were able to hang on to defeat the Dodgers 6-5. to five. Right now, they find themselves down 2 to nothing after Max Muncy hit a two-out, two-run home run in the bottom of the first inning. Cincinnati started Luke Weaver. He's through three innings, and that home run is the only hit on his resume right now. Ed Shaheen is starting for the Dodgers. He's through three innings. He has given up two hits, and he struck it out four. For Network Indiana Sports, I'm Eddie Garrison. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Thanks, Eddie Garrison, for that great update. We're about 10 minutes away from Kyle Nennerip of the Indy Star to talk a little high school football with us. He's got an extensive season preview already posted to IndyStar.com with sleeper teams, top area quarterbacks, top area running backs, all kinds of things. You know, Kyle's been on the beat for a long time. He knows high school football here in this area better than just about anybody and looking forward to that conversation coming up here about 10 minutes from now so far the show has been dominated by the big news of the day and that's Jonathan Taylor's trade demand and I'm just kind of going through and it's impossible to read everything because you know everyone is opining on the Taylor and Colt situation but kind of from what I'm seeing is it's a combination of criticism for pretty much everybody involved um I, i'll say this about the particularly the jim ursay portion of this um and we had led the show with talking about how he tells you exactly how he feels he's honest and and but sometimes th- that can be a problem i i think the problem for jim ursay in this situation like he said the thing he said a couple of days ago about Najee Harris, that that's what he was responding to and about how, you know, I'm paraphrasing here, but the owners had put together a good faith negotiation on the CBA. The CBA is has been agreed upon. It is what it is. The running backs have to live with it. The owners have to live with it, et cetera, et cetera. I, I think what he has said in this situation is defensible. I just wish that Ursay maybe had kept some of these things to himself because I, I don't think that they've helped matters. Like what he said earlier tonight, while it's true and it's him being honest, I don't think it helps the situation. Quote, if I die tonight and Jonathan Taylor's out of the league, no one's going to miss us. The league goes on. We know that. The NFL rolls on. It doesn't matter who comes and who goes. It's a privilege to be a part of it. Yeah, th- that same quote has been said a million times over the years. It's a privilege to be a part of the NFL. The league goes on and the league will thrive with or without me. You know, Take the names right out of it there. Some variation of that quote has been said a million times. I just don't think it needs to be said. Josina Anderson of ESPN came back and said, I'm told that this quote is not going over well and Taylor's camp. Like, it, 
there are some things that just aren't productive to say. And I, I think Ursay has said a couple of things that weren't productive to the conversation and to the situation for the Colts. And that's what Ursay has to prioritize first and foremost. Am I helping my franchise? Because I think sometimes he says things publicly that just don't need to be said. It's not that they're the, the right thing to say or the wrong thing to say. It's just something that you should keep to yourself. <laughs> just There's no benefit from saying anything at all. There's a reason why Chris Ballard has mostly been silent or has at least kind of followed the status quo the, the the general protocol protocol when it comes to uh the contract situation with Jonathan Taylor because he knows as a general manager that publicizing these things just just aren't going to help the process <laughs> it's not going to help his position in the negotiations and it probably can only hurt because people take these things and they run with them whether it be intentional or unintentional whether it be tone um, people read into every letter of every word that is uttered. And that's exactly what we're doing right now with what Jim Ursay had to say, right? But I just think some things are worth just staying on the sidelines for. And I, I, I do think that Taylor and his agent are the ones that have made their bed here and now they're going to have to lie in it. They are the people that have been the main instigators in this kerfuffle for lack of a better term. So at the end of the day, this is their doing, you know, Jonathan Taylor didn't have to demand a trade. Jonathan Taylor didn't have to go public and say that he was unhappy. He didn't have to do any of those things. And he did. So that has been the greatest reason why we sit where we sit today. But that said, I, I just don't know if anything that Ursay has said in the last week has really helped matters for the Colts. I think if anything, whether intentionally or unten- unintentionally, they have made a messy situation even messier. And that's not good. You don't want that if you're an owner. And you certainly don't want that if you're the general manager who's just kind of standing idly by. High school football, when we come back, Kyle Netterip of the Star. Stick around, Indiana Sports Talk. With this Indiana Sports Talk scoreboard updates, I'm Eddie Garrison. Let's finish recapping some of those Major League Baseball scores from today. Earlier this afternoon, the Detroit Tigers shut out the Miami Marlins. 5-0 in their win. The Tigers are now 47-58. Riley Green hit a solo home run. Akil Badu hit a three-run home run. Those were four of the five runs scored for the Tigers coming on home runs. Bo Brisky got the start, but it's Joey Wentz picking up the win because Brisky was used as an opener. He went two innings. Joey Wentz went four and two-thirds. It's his second win of the season. He has uh, nine losses to go with that. On the other side, Johnny Cueto, the former Red, he went six innings. He picked up his second loss. The Miami Marlins are 56-49 and 49 right now 
after today's loss. The Chicago White Sox are back in the win column. They defeat the Cleveland Guardians 7-2. 43-63 is the record for the White Sox. Tim Anderson had three hits today, including his first home run of the season for Chicago. Brings his average up to 245 of the on the year. Andrew Vaughn had two hits as well, including a home run. Luis Robert was two for four. He had an RBI. Mike Cleverger picked up his fourth win of the season after going five innings of two-run baseball. He did strike out three Guardians hitters. The Guardians are 52-43. and 43. White Sox 43-63. and 63. In a minor league baseball, the Indianapolis Indians defeat the Louisville Bats 6-3. For Network Indiana Sports, I'm Eddie Garrison. Welcome back. It's Indiana Sports Talk here on Network Indiana. Filling in for Bob Lovell, I'm your host, Derek Schultz. Efforting on Kyle Nennerip, who I know is out of town right now and um, still trying to take in these last <laughs> last few weekends where he's not going to be at a, uh, a high school football stadium or inside of a gymnasium for uh, the next nine months because the guy goes – all around to all different games and you know that the the high school the preps beat is is tough because there's just constantly something going on uh and there's never really a break pro sports college sports the season's a grind there too but just the, the sheer amount of teams and players and coaches and personalities it's um it's a lot to handle when you when you have all of that so uh, we may or may not get Kyle tonight to talk high school football. If we do, great. If we don't, that's fine, too. I know that we've got Howard Kelman here on the line as the Indians were in action tonight downtown at Victory Field, not too far away from our flagship studio. And they came away the victor 6-3 over Louisville tonight to improve their record to 47-53. and And the longtime voice of the tribe joins us now. Howard, finally, I, I've filled in a couple of times on the show. It feels like I've been a little bit of the bad luck charm for the Indians. But tonight we get to see a W downtown at Victory Field. Well, they knew you were doing the show tonight, so they said, hey, we got to win this one for Derek. So this victory is dedicated to Derek Schultz. I love that. And, uh, a really nice game, Derek. They played long ball. Rodolfo Castro belted a three-run homer. Miguel Andujar homered. And Domingo Leba homered. And that was the ball game as they won 6-3. to three. Louisville had some opportunities, but what stands out is that Louisville went 0-10 with runners in scoring position. Yeah, generally speaking, 0-10 with runners in scoring position is not conducive to uh, winning a baseball game. Uh, also a great outing from Luis Ortiz. Struck out eight over five innings, gave up just one run. Um, looked like a, a nice outing for the starter tonight for the Tribe. Well, you're right, it was. Now, he was in trouble in every inning, but he pitched out of it. But it was a good outing, and he had really been struggling. So this was a real positive. And as you said, you, you go five innings to allow one run. You've done a very nice job. So we're real happy about that because his last several appearances were not good. 
You had mentioned M- Miguel Andujar, and we had had a conversation uh, a couple of weeks ago, Howard, about his circuitous path uh, to the Pirates organization, to the Indians, and he, he's had a, a really nice season here. And you've said that you know maybe there was some frustration there for him just because he's playing so well, yet it, it appears that you know he's here in Indianapolis and, and not being able to get back to the bigs and, and help his big league team. From your interactions with him, how has he been this year? Because clearly, you know, and you deal with this a lot in the minors, you know, there are guys, especially major league veterans sometimes that are down with the AAA team that, that want to be back on the big league level. But it at least appears it hasn't affected his focus at the plate so far for the Tribe because he's continuing to hit the cover off the ball. Well, you're exactly right. He's a terrific guy. I have talked to him about it. And by the way, Miguel Andujar this season has had hitting streaks of 20 games and 15 games. In fact, when I see him, I call him DiMaggio, and he gets a big (laughs) kick out of that uh, in honor of Joe DiMaggio and his 56-game hitting streak. But he knows who DiMaggio was because he played for the Yankees, Miguel did. But I don't know why someone hasn't given him an opportunity yet. If it's not the Pirates, somebody else, maybe something will happen prior to the trade deadline. But he is batting over 340. And he has been consistently great. I mean, he's been great, and he deserves an opportunity. We're talking with longtime voice of the tribe, Howard Kelman, Indian 6-3 winners tonight over Louisville, and they'll continue that series tomorrow at Victory Field. It's Jurassic World Day at Victory Field tomorrow, so I have a very excited six-year-old in the Schultz household that's looking forward to being there at the ballpark tomorrow afternoon. Howard, I wanted to ask you, you spent so many decades here in Indiana, and when when people think of Indiana and they think of baseball, I think your name uh, genuinely pops up, and a Hall of Famer uh, got to add his name to Cooperstown uh, this past week with Scott Rowland, Jasper native, um, getting his hall call, a much-deserved hall call. I didn't know if you had any sort of interactions with, with Scott over the years, just both kind of being in Indiana, or I'm sure you know a lot of the same people as well. What was your feeling of, of Scott Rowland getting his name enshrined in Cooperstown? I thought it was terrific because he was an outstanding third baseman, outstanding. He also was a terrific base runner, and that often is overlooked, in addition to being a very good hitter. So, and he was a, an excellent basketball player. He was close to being Mr. Basketball, in addition to being a great baseball player at Jasper. So I have not had interactions. You know, he played for the Phillies and the Cardinals and the Reds. I met him a couple of times, but I do not know him well. But I couldn't be more happy. And there aren't too many third basemen in the Hall of Fame. I think there are fewer third basemen than any other position, in fact. So just a great, great thing. Also, I, before I let you go here, I, I really enjoyed the Mark Monteith piece in the Indianapolis Business Journal and to hear from Bob Costas and Marv Albert and, you know, hear some of the stories that, you know, stories that I know just from knowing you for all the years that I've known you about being up at, at Yankee Stadium and, and practicing your play-by-play or at Madison Square Garden and, and your New York ties. Um, it was really fun to kind of relive those moments with you and, and, uh, and read through that. And, and Mark obviously does a great job as, as a writer. Well, that was a very nice remark to contact me, and uh, I sat down with him a week ago today, and that's when he prepared the article, and it was very nicely done. I really appreciated it and uh, enjoyed reading it, too, and I thank Mark a great deal. 
Tribe winners tonight, 6-3, 135 first pitch tomorrow at Victory Field. Looks like another beautiful afternoon. Tickets available, IndyIndians.com. Always appreciate it, Howard. Thanks so much. Derek, as always, thank you very much. That's our friend Howard Kelman, longtime voice of the Tribe, and another longtime friend of ours is our good buddy Greg Rakestraw. Uh, he was on the call tonight of the 11 and Louisville, the Lipa FC game. Um, not such a great result for the 11 as they fall 2 nothing. But I guess I should ask you, Rake, I mean, a- anything else going on today? I mean, we're pretty much just going to talk about Indy 11, right? There's nothing else happening in the Indy sports No, scene. nothing else. One of my other jobs that draws anybody's attention or anything like that. I haven't, I haven't followed that on Twitter during the game at all, Derek. Oh, God. You just, I think it's not a surprise. Let's start with that. For people that don't know, obviously, we're talking about the Jonathan Taylor situation. I don't think it's a surprise that we're here. I just think it's a surprise that we got here within what, like a week? Last month, did anybody think that this was imminent or this was possible? I thought we'd get here a year from now. I really didn't think we would get there after year number three of a four year rookie deal. Usually you get there when a team, you know, puts a franchise tag on a player and a player is not happy about that. The fact that he is still on his rookie deal uh, and demanding this, I'm a big fan of Jonathan Taylor as a person, as a player. Um, I I do think he's in the wrong here. I also think that, frankly, it's not been handled exceedingly well by Jim Irsay in terms of his public comments. So I'm not surprised we're here at some point. I am very surprised that we are here at this point. Yeah, and it's just kind of sad because I don't think anybody wishes ill for Jonathan Taylor, but it kind of feels like, and I hate to make this comparison because it's so kind of cliche, but it it sort of feels like the Oladipo situation all over again where, you know, he wants all all of this stuff that I I just don't think is on the table for him. And that's what I kind of worry about in in this situation, whether he's getting the the best advice possible. But I, I, I am curious, Greg, if the Colts are going to let this play out because they can they don't have to do anything they don't have to extend him um they don't have to play him you know they they don't have to trade him Uh, the Colts are kind of if if they want to get nasty here they they can I don't think they're going to want to do that but um but it's something interesting to keep an eye on we're up against it here do you have time to stick around because I do want to talk about the soccer game as well of course absolutely we'll come back with greg uh, more on jonathan taylor more on the colts more on the indy 11 and their loss tonight also john herrick is here in studio a big win for the indy alley cats we'll talk about that as well as we continue here on indiana sports talk on network indiana so plenty of colts to get to and plenty more to get to it's a jam-packed saturday night sports wise here in central indiana Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. With this Indiana Sports Talk scoreboard updates, I'm Eddie Garrison. The big news tonight, Jonathan Taylor has requested a trade from the Indianapolis Colts per Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network per Albert Breer. Jim Irsay texted him. He said, no, we're not trading Jonathan Taylor. Not now and not in October. Earlier tonight, Jim Irsay spoke with the media after talking to Jonathan Taylor for an hour during Colts training camp. It was just a, a good conversation and, and uh, you know, we're just, uh, you know, hopeful and going forward, uh, 
you know, looking forward to a great season, hoping, you know, hoping Jonathan's a big part of that. And, and so um, I think we had a good conversation. And, you know, like I said, on where we go and we're, we're looking forward to, um, you know, really having, um, uh, you know, hopefully Jonathan there um, excited and healthy. Today he was asked, Shane Steichen was the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, how he's not letting the Jonathan Taylor situation affect his coaching. Yeah, I mean, that's my obligation as the head coach is to coach the football team. You know, I got, you know, a lot of guys that I got to coach and get ready to go. And so that's that's how I got to deal with that. And that's my mindset. At yesterday's practice, he was asked about what his thoughts are about the current running back room without Taylor present. Um, I'm really pleased with Zach and those guys and, and Evan and Dion. I mean, and, uh, and, and and Xavier. I mean, all those guys are coming together. Uh, they're, they're all doing a really nice job. Taylor led the league in rushing in 2021. Welcome back. It's Indiana Sports Talk here on Network Indiana. I'm Derek Schultz. James Adams running the board for us today. Eddie Garrison capably handling the updates from the update desk. And we're rejoined by Greg Rayshaw. He's the voice of the Indy 11. He is the preseason TV voice of the Colts. Obviously, he is the host of the post-game Colts show as well on many of these same stations. And we've been talking about the Jonathan Taylor uh, trade situation. I, I know you've spent a lot of time in Westfield as well, Rake, and you've gotten at, at least a chance to see Evan Hall and, um, you know, they have Zach Moss as well on the Deion Jackson. They have a couple of others that are on the running back roster. I'm not already preparing for a, a life post Jonathan Taylor, but I'm, I'm just kind of preparing for what could happen if this is a, a, a lengthy situation between him and the Colts. And am I right in saying that you know, Colts could be worse off uh, at their running back position? I, I, kind of like what they have there for some of those guys. Unfortunately, I, I like them more as reserves than I do as starters, but it's kind of the nature of the position in today's NFL where you can kind of plug and play just about anybody and, and get pretty good production. First of all, I thought Moss was pretty solid last year after he's traded, you know, for Naheem Hines in the midway point of the season. But secondarily, uh, the best running back in the Indianapolis Colts may be the guy wearing number five, and that is Anthony Richardson. Um, and when I was filling in last week on the midday show, uh, I had uh, Eddie Garrison quickly kind of look up, hey, give me the number of rushing attempts that Jalen Hurts had in the regular season last year. And the answer is 165 in 15 games. That's 11 a game. So whether it's, it's Minshew, I think to a lesser degree, and again, I think Richardson will be, will be given every chance to win the starting job on September the 10th. Um, but if it's Richardson, you have your quarterback going to carry the football. And, and because you've got that, it makes whomever the running back is going to be a more potent threat. Let, let's not get too far down the road in saying this. This is a better team with Jonathan Taylor playing. He is the best running back they have on the team, without doubt. He's one of the best running backs in the National Football League. But at the same time, you know, this is, this is a, a team that's obviously in transition, a team that is reloading, and it's <laughs> there are many fronts in which Jonathan Taylor doesn't exactly have great leverage in this situation. And one of them is that, you know, you just kind of go, hey, if, if, if you don't want to be here, I'm not sure the Colts are going to move on from him in, in a quick fashion, but the Colts can simply say, all right, we're going to play more younger guys, including at the running back position, and, and try to build a core that can kind of learn together and, uh, and hopefully figure things out sooner rather than later. I'm just kind of sad for the fans because – when you think about sort of the high-water mark of the post-Luck Colts, it was that December 
primetime game against the Patriots, yep. right? And and everyone in the building knows that the ball's going to Jonathan Taylor, including every member of the New England Patriots. The ball goes to Jonathan Taylor, and he blows the roof off of the joint because he still hits a home run and goes for the long touchdown and, and ends up clinching the Colts' long-awaited first-time victory over the Patriots in, in a decade plus. And to go from that to where we are now in fewer than two years, in, in what, you know, 18, 19 months, it, it just kind of makes me sad for the fan base. I see all the 28s and, and the jerseys yep. around town, and it sucks. It, it sucks that this is where we are with this situation. Yeah, since that moment, the, that weekend before Christmas of 2021, the Colts have won five games. Five games since that time. And you're right, that that was kind of the last high-water great moment for this team. Yet they found a way to beat the eventual champs in Kansas City last year. They, they won in dramatic fashion late against Denver. But there was nothing ever pretty about last year's Indianapolis Colts football team. And part of that was some of the struggles that, that Jonathan had to stay healthy and the struggles that obviously the, 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 the offensive line had last year. So you're right, it, it stinks. But at the same time, it's, it's just kind of the nature of, of what the, the value of the, of the position is. It's also, again, a, a spot where, you know, I'm not sure if, if Jonathan Taylor is going to be the difference in this being a playoff team this year or not. I just don't know if that's the case. And so if, if you're going to be young, again, it's a chance, if it's not going to be JT, to kind of grow with other players at that position. We're joined by Greg Regstraw, a road game for Rake tonight as they took the broadcast on the road in Louisville. Unfortunately, the result, not a great one for the boys in blue who were ironically wearing red. They fall to Louisville 2-0. Um, what was the tale of the tape tonight, Rake? Did, did things ever get off the ground for the 11? Not, not really, to be honest. Uh, and, and this was an indie team that had their best results of the season on Wednesday, beating the top team in the Eastern Conference in Pittsburgh, winning their 3-1. First time Pittsburgh's been beaten at home the entirety of the year. Uh, tonight was almost the equivalent of, of something we talk about in the NBA a lot. Tonight was kind of a scheduling loss. Um, and, and there's probably five to ten games every year in the NBA on your schedule. You go, hey, that's almost a, a gift win for us or it's going to be a loss for us because how the schedule works out. So Indy uh, was playing their third match in eight days against three of the teams that have been the best in the Eastern Conference for the last five or six years. They hosted Tampa Bay, had to go to Pittsburgh, and they had to go to Louisville right after that. Louisville had not played since last Saturday. And Louisville had extra motivation because they had lost their last three, which was their longest losing streak in nearly eight years. That's how good Lou's city has been. Wow. Since their inception, they, they just don't drop that many matches in a row. So tonight was one of those nights where seemingly everything kind of conspired against the Indy 11. Um, you know, so many more chances for Loose City. Officially no shots on goal for the Indy 11. This is one where I'm not sure Mark Lowry spends a lot of time kind of rehashing this one with the guys. They don't play it until next Saturday. It wouldn't stun me if, if it's not one day off but two. Kind of get back together on Tuesday and say, all right, fellas, let's 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 regroup and go after the next one. Because then starting next Saturday, it's once again three matches in eight days. This time, a couple more playoff teams mixed in there, but a couple of games at home and hopefully a chance for the New to really kind of get on a run and, and not 
get knocked to sideways with a loss, albeit against your biggest rival tonight. Hope they take advantage of that break. The 11 back in action Saturday. They've got a pair of home games Saturday and then next Wednesday, Memphis and then Birmingham. Tickets available Indy11.com. And before you know it, it'll be the preseason. You'll see Rake on your TV as well, and you'll see him at a new high school football stadium every Friday night on ISC Sports Network and a myriad of other places. Thanks so much, Rake. We'll see you on Monday. You got it, buddy. Take care. It's our buddy Greg Rakestraw. Let's welcome in another friend, colleague, respected broadcaster, all of the above, John Herrick. Uh, a happy night for John uh, as the Indy Alley Cats ended up knocking off Chicago for the third time this season. They win a playoff match over on the northwest side at Burbuff High School. And the voice of the Alley Cats, also, of course, part of the uh, Indiana Athletics broadcast network as well as john as he joins me here in studio so good night overall for indy they're moving on in the postseason yeah it, it was a great night Derek. Uh, i mean this is a team that you know two years ago won three games and the only three games they won were against the team uh in the audl in their division who hadn't won any games and so to go from that to a team that won six games last year and barely got into the playoffs to now having won 10 of their last 11 this year after starting the season 0 and 2 you're ten and three, and now you get a chance to face your central division opponent in Minnesota, who's beaten you twice this year. You got to beat him at Minnesota. And granted, I know Minnesota's had Indy's number over the last eight years or so, but you got a chance uh, to ride the ship. And they came in uh, ready, energized against a Chicago team that was beat up, had a lot of injuries. Uh, their coach even said to me before the game, "We've basically we're stumbling into the playoffs right mm -hmm. now," but. You've got the all-time leading scorer in the AUDL on your team and Cam Brock, and Brock had four goals tonight, and they just played a picture-perfect game, really, after the first quarter. And they went up, got up 6-2, to two, and then before you knew that knew it, that lead was 10, and, and they really just did a heck of a job. You talk about the, the climb here for the Alley Cats and the progression that we've seen over the past couple of seasons. Has it been mainly the same names and faces that have been along for the ride here that have kind of built them up to this point? The, what's cool about that, Derek, is that, yes, it has been. Uh, Brock and and also Travis Carpenter, two guys that were on the same team from the you know from the get-go in 2012 when they started, uh, they're still there. So are Levi Jacobs and Rick Gross, two very long-time uh, uh, Alley Cap members for the last nine seasons with them. But you have a lot of other young guys like Will Wettengale, Ben Close. Wettengale second in the AUDL in blocks this year with like 22 of them. I mean, and there's been so many young guys that have stepped up and made a lot of big plays. And they had to they got to play a game last week against Pittsburgh that was a meaningless game record-wise, but the young guys stepped up and got them ready for tonight, and they showed out tonight. We'll talk more Alley Cats. We'll talk a little Hoosiers as well as we continue with John Herrick here in studio. Indiana Sports Talk on Network Indiana. Don't go anywhere. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. With this Indiana Sports Talk scoreboard updates, I'm Eddie Garrison. It is officially tied at two now from L.A. between the Dodgers and the Cincinnati Reds. The Reds scored two in the top of the sixth inning, and they could add more. They have runners on second and third with two outs. 
Kevin Newman hit a sacrifice fly that scored Ellie De La Cruz, and then Spencer Steele followed that up with a single that scored TJ Friedel. Right now, Joey Votto's on second, Spencer Steer at third. Christian Encarnacion Strand at the plate facing the freshly acquired Joe Kelly. Now with the Dodgers, formerly with the White Sox. The two runs for the Dodgers came back in the first inning. as a two-run home run by Max Muncy. Chicago Cubs and the St. Louis Cardinals are in the bottom of the fifth inning. This is at Bush Stadium in St. Louis. Yesterday, the Cubs held on to defeat the Cardinals 3-2. to They won the first game of the series 10-3, to so if all things hold for the rest of this game, they could be going for the four-game sweep tomorrow afternoon, but let's take a look at how they are up 5-1 to one right now. Two runs each in the third and the fourth innings. Ian Happ had a two-run home run. Jan Gobes hit a two-run home run in respective innings. Mike Talkman doubled in the top of the seventh. That scored Nick Madrigal and that's all the scoring for Chicago. Adam Wainwright went six innings for the Redbirds, gave up four hits or four runs, struck out three. Jamison Tyone, he went six innings of two run or two hit baseball and gave up one run. For Network Indiana Sports, I'm Eddie Garrison. Welcome back. Rolling along here on Indiana Sports Talk, Network Indiana. I'm your host, Derek Schultz, filling in for a final time this summer. That's right. August is going to be here very soon. So will the high school football season, and so will the return of Bob Lovell for his 30th season behind the microphone here in the big chair, the Hall of Famer. So he's going to rejoin the show and have everything off and running starting next week. But I'm here at least for the next hour and a half or so. John Herrick's not here that long, but he's going to spend another segment with me here in studio. He's the voice of the Indy Alley Cats, also part of the IU Radio Network on Learfield, and um, this is great to have John here in studio because now we can get all of the secrets about IU football. So, John, I just want you to go ahead and <laughs> make an announcement for Tom Allen and just let us know who the starting quarterback is going to be week one. Oh, it could, it could be any number of, you know, one of three guys, you know. could be Taven Jackson, could be Brendan Soresby, uh, Dexter Williams recovering from a knee, a knee surgery. Um, still, I have... I, I did actually have a nightmare uh, over the summer once where I was reliving the day that Dexter Williams had that awful injury where he, I use up seven to three against Purdue driving in the bucket game. Everything's looking great. Then non-contact injury and he goes down and the whole game changes, you know, because you got to take him out. You got to bring in Connor Bazelak again, and he's not at all the same quarterback that Dexter Williams is. Mm-hmm. You just won the game over Michigan state with the week before and now it's like, but then, of course, you get Taven Jackson. Jackson comes to the IU basketball game. He watches Trace Jackson Davis, his brother, play. Fans are chanting his name. But, you know, again, he's young, too, So who, and who knows how that might work. But one thing I took away from Big Ten Media Days was how Tom Allen kind of said, look, I really would love to have a mobile quarterback because I know what a pain they are to prepare for yeah. at, when I'm coaching the defense. So uh, I wouldn't mind having a mobile quarterback, but – I feel like this has kind of been the storyline every year for the last few years with IU football is going into the offseason or getting ready for the next season. It's who's the quarterback going to be. And that's still any number of <laughs> could be any number of guys at this point. Yeah. And I don't think there really is a wrong decision here. I, I just hope that Tom Allen makes the decision and then sticks with it. You know, like right. I, I, continuity to me yes. is, is an important thing because there's been so much and some of that, you know, in Indiana and Tom Allen's defense is not their fault because of injuries or whatever else. Um, things have kind of popped up here, but what have the people around the program and the people that you've talked to John had to say about Taven Jack? 
Jackson, not only just as a player, but as a kid as well. Well, I think it wasn't really hard to find out what kind of kid he was. I mean, he that was the that was the big part. The the, the hard part was, you know, trying to convince him to come to Indiana because it's like he, mm-hmm. he definitely has, um, you know, offers and, and a lot of teams were looking at him. But at the same time, I think the allure of Indiana coming there and I was just kind of worried about, OK, Tom Allen, we know, is more of a defensive coach. Is he really going to be able to sell? Taven Jackson more of an offensive guy on this and uh, luckily he was he was able to do that but uh, I think what's really going to be interesting Derek is watching IU open up the season against Ohio State this year uh, because if you remember back in 2017 that was uh, the Allen's debut home debut as as a college head coach ESPN was there right? and it was a big yeah ESPN yeah. was there big deal huge crowd of course, a lot of Ohio State fans, IU fans are, you know, cr- cranking out the place because it's the f- opening night of the season. And IU had a third quarter lead in that game. Things were going well. But of course, Ohio State's never an easy opponent for Indiana. So Ohio State comes back and, and wins the game. And now they have a chance to see how things are six years later. How, how does this situation pan out? Personally, I'm of the belief that it's probably better to play Ohio State early in the season than late in the season. Not that it's going to be easy either time, but I'd rather face them when they don't have enough time to prepare for who is the quarterback going to be. I mean, there's going to be all kinds of questions going into week one about who that's going to be. And you know, Allen's going to be keeping things close to the vest. So that might actually be better to face face Ohio State that early. Um, But, you know, does that good vibe from 2017 translate over into 2023? Uh, We'll we'll see. But there's a lot of different possibilities and ways that this could go. Yeah, they played some competitive games over the years, especially in Bloomington uh, recently against Ohio State. And we hope that that continues very interesting season about to uh for indiana about to embark on in 2023 thanks so much john looking forward to the alley cats as well here in a couple of weeks all right thanks derek appreciate Everybody, it john herrick back into the colts conversation when we come back it's indiana sports talk here on network indiana my thanks to john herrick for joining us guy that is no stranger to these airwaves and kind of like greg rakestraw who joined us right before him guy that's going to have a very 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 busy fall with all of the things that he's involved with not only obviously being the news director of WIBC but also with Indiana football and then into Indiana basketball season and then all the high school stuff that John does the IHSAA state championships and broadcasts that he participates in very very busy guy but a great broadcaster and I'm proud to call him a friend as well and I appreciate him coming on and joining us if you're just joining us uh all hell is broken loose for the colts the house is on fire it's not really um they're dominating the news cycle right now so anywhere you go national headlines wise in the sports world you're gonna see indianapolis and you're gonna see colts and you're gonna see jonathan taylor so i i I guess that's never good right you never want that but in, in case you have been i don't know at a picnic or You've just been off the grid for the last couple of hours. Jonathan Taylor and his camp have formally requested, demanded, whatever word that you want to use, a trade from the Colts as this contract negotiation obviously has not gone the way that he or his team has wanted it to. Jim Mersey did speak to the media tonight in Westfield. It was the first night practice of the 2023 Colts training camp season and um and had some interesting things to say uh also responded to the trade request not 
and Westfield, but via text to several NFL reporters, including Albert Breer of Monday Morning Quarterback, and said that Jonathan Taylor is not being traded. So it doesn't matter what Taylor wants. Um, It doesn't look like the Colts have any interest in trading him because Taylor is technically under contract for $4.3 million in the final year of his rookie deal. So this is the situation that we enter into here. The Colts have an unhappy running back who wants a long-term extension. The Colts so far have not offered him anything, at least publicly. And what's difficult about this conversation is that we don't know for sure what Jonathan Taylor and his camp wants. You know, if Jonathan Taylor wanted Saquon Barkley's deal, I think the Colts would be more than willing to give that to him. If Jonathan Taylor wanted three years, $36 million, and I don't know this, but that sounds like a deal that the Colts would say yes to. That sounds like a deal that they would take. But if Jonathan Taylor wants $16 million, if Jonathan Taylor wants to reset the running back market now, with the way the running back market has been this offseason, that ain't happening. That's not happening here. That's not happening anywhere. It is not a buyer's market when it comes to running backs. And I think Taylor and his agent have to know that and have to be realistic when it comes to that. Plenty more to get to in hour number three when it comes to Taylor and the Colts. We'll also re-rack the biggest headlines of the day as we enter into hour number three Indiana Sports Talk on Network Indiana.